Well, today's a special day at our church. Uh, it's the first day of an expanded uh, youth ministry of new Sunday school class for uh, young people. We're, we're glad to have a, a student in that first uh, first student in that new class on its first week, Mr. Maxwell. We're very glad to have you today, sir. Uh, your teacher is standing in the back of the room. You may join her now and go to your class. Uh, we'll also dismiss the teens uh, to join their class. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll dismiss uh, uh, all the young people. Let's, let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord, this morning for sending your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. Father, I pray that you work in this new class today, as well as in the junior church at 11 o'clock today. Pray you work in the teen class today. Thank you, Lord, for all the preparation uh, that has been accomplished uh, for both classes, as well as for the 11 o'clock junior church. Lord, we pray that you will work in this ministry, that you will bless it, that you will work in the hearts of young people in and through uh, the people, the members of this church. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, young people, you are dismissed. Uh, adults, uh, older people, uh, take your Bible, please. Turn to uh, Revelation uh, this morning, Revelation chapter uh, 6. Revelation chapter 6 is where we are uh, in our study through the book of Revelation. Uh, I want to welcome a visitor this morning also. Good to have you with us today, sir. Uh, it's a privilege to have you. It's a privilege that we do not take lightly. And we're glad, very glad to have you with us today. You're an encouragement to us. And it's our, our desire to be an encouragement and to minister to you today also. Uh, here in our church, we, we tend to study through books of the Bible in the 10 o'clock hour, the Sunday school class. That's where we are now. Uh, in the next hour, we're going to begin a new study uh, through the book of Mark, that Mark's gospel. And I always uh, like to be preaching in the gospels. We basically do that every other year or so, something like that, in the 11 o'clock hour um, and then tonight we'll continue in a new study um, in the Minor Prophets. Uh, and so we're always looking at different parts of the Bible and trying not to miss any of the books as we uh, study through them. Uh, book of Revelation uh, is the last book of the Bible, of course. And just, just going to catch you up a little bit here. Um, we're, we're getting into a section of the book now where the Lord is giving John, the writer of this book, uh, visions, uh, prophetic visions. He's showing him uh, a scene in heaven uh, that the Lord is using to give John prophecy uh, regarding things that are going to happen in the future. And they were future to John and they're future to us as well. Uh, what I've given you here is a timeline this morning. That's your handout. It's a timeline that if you've been attending our church, you've probably received a dozen times over the years. Zach said this morning it's on, good, it's on better paper. So, you know, that's, that's the upgrade this morning. Uh, but what this timeline does is it gives a lot of information, but all I want to really do this morning is kind of look uh, kind of across that black line there. That's a timeline from left to right. You see a church there uh, on the left-hand side. Uh, and it's labeled church age. That's where we are on God, God's timeline uh, today. Uh, near the end of uh, the, or near, just to the right of the church there, you see an arrow going up. That's the next thing that we expect on God's timeline, the catching away of believers, the rapture, uh, the rapture of, of, of folks that are, uh, who were saved during the church age or, or who were uh, living uh, or died uh, during the church age. 
uh, they're caught away uh, to heaven uh, with the Lord. Uh, and then that inaugurates a seven-year period. Brother Ray, you, you know, it's the tribulation period. That's the next section uh, that's labeled down there and kind of darker green on your timeline. This is uh, a seven-year period of, well, at least, the, at least the last half of that seven-year period is a time of great trials, uh, great difficulty, great judgment uh, that uh, God is going to use to get people's attention. He's going to shake the world awake, uh, if you will, to, to get people's attention. Uh, we can see uh, in Revelation that it will be very hard. Uh, it will be a time of judgment and trial and tribulation and difficulty unlike anything uh, that the world has seen before. Uh, and a, a time that is that difficult is, in fact, going to get people's attention. Some people, at least, will finally wake up and accept Christ is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. Uh, he's the one who went to die on the cross. Uh, he's the one who took upon the sins of all men of all times, uh, who died on the cross uh, as a sacrifice uh, for our sins, shedding his blood to cover our sins. Uh, he died there. He was buried. He rose again on the third day as he said he would, uh, proving that his sacrifice paid the price for our sins proving that God the Father was sacrificed, uh, forgive me, satisfied, there we go, uh, that's better choice, uh, with his sacrifice. Um, much of the world today uh, has refused Christ, has refu refused truth regarding Christ. Uh, much of the world today needs a wake-up call. Uh, no doubt the Lord is using trials around the world today to get people's attention. Uh, we've seen a great trial in Morocco here in the last couple of days. Uh, great trial indeed. Uh, we're mindful that today is the anniversary of the 9-11 um, attacks in New York. Uh, Brother Ray, God allowed that uh, for his purposes. No doubt he used that to wake some people up. We recall after 9-11 people flooding into churches all, all around the, the country and indeed the world. And uh, no doubt numbers of people were saved at that time. And so some of us probably have testimonies that God saved us during a time of difficulty. He allowed a trial uh, and used that to get our attention, and you were open to uh, hearing truth regarding Christ. Um, uh, and so the, the, the tribulation period that um, John is now going to be revealing to us, the Lord is revealing to us through John uh, in, in this next portion of the book of Revelation, is such a time. Uh, a time of trial and tribulation unlike no other during which the Lord will uh, save many people. Now, I understand, you understand, many, many will continue to reject the Lord. Uh, they will die. They, they will go to hell. We don't like that truth, but that is a Bible truth because of their choice, uh, because of their choice to not, to not receive uh, Christ as God's uh, answer to their, their sin guilt. Uh, but many, many will be uh, shaken awake uh, during this future time and, and will come to Christ. Now, Zach, uh, seems to me on Wednesday nights in our study uh, through the history books of the Old Testament and now some of the prophetic books of the Old Testament, uh, we've been looking uh, at um, the, the captivity of Judah and the prophets who prophesy regarding uh, the great historical trial of Judah uh, being conquered by the ancient Babylonians and being dragged off into a captivity in, in Babylon where they served as, as prisoners, basically. God had a plan for that time, too, right? So 
Uh, God had warned the people for a very long period of time, hey, get right with me or there's going to be consequences. Get right or there's going to be consequences. Well, people didn't get right. Sure enough, they suffered the consequences and God used the trial of the captivity in Babylon to kind of shake people awake. Many people uh, got right with the Lord and, and eventually some were allowed to return uh, to Jerusalem, um, having been shaken awake by the Lord through that trial. So we can see in history, God has used big trials uh, to get people's attention. Uh, we can see that no doubt he's doing that today. He's allowing big trials in our lives and you know, throughout the world to get people's attention. Brother Ray, this is all leading to a final, greatest, biggest trial of all time, uh, the seven-year tribulation period that John is prophesying here. So uh, that sort of dark green section there, just a, a couple of clicks from the left there, is the uh, portion of the timeline of future events that the Lord is dealing with. Now, uh, let's jump in here. Um, uh, Ezekiel, forgive me, I got Ezekiel on the brain from Wednesday night. Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter uh, 6 now, Revelation chapter 6. Um, so recall from chapter 5, uh, John has had a vision of the throne room of heaven. There's a, a book there uh, that uh, he uh, is not uh, qualified to open. Uh, John is pointed to Christ as one who is qualified to, uh, to break seals, if you will, to open the book. Uh, there's a series of seals that will be broken open, and each of these seals is associated with a, a specific um, a descriptor, a specific bit of information regarding this future tribulation period. Uh, and so we want to see, this morning what I want to do is give you a series of Fs, okay? So if you take some notes uh, for each of these uh, seal judgments, these are called seal judgments, uh, I'll give you an F to kind of help you make a list of them and uh, keep them in mind. The first one we see here in chapter 6, Revelation 6, verse 1, the first seal judgment, uh, the Lord here prophesies that there'll be false peace. So false, the F in false be your... Uh, first F this morning. Uh, John writes, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, uh, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. So uh, remember in his previous vision, or earlier in this vision perhaps, uh, John has seen four creatures, four, four beasts. Uh, these seem to be an angelic uh, creatures. Uh, they're either angels or angel-like creatures uh, there in the throne room of God, uh, we will probably conclude, we will we'll conclude very likely these are angels that are called beasts here. One of the four beasts uh, says to John, come and see. Uh, so Lord is uh, giving John a vision of the throne room in heaven, uh, and, and this, this first beast invites him uh, to come and see. He says, I saw, verse 2, uh, and behold a white horse. So the Lord is using this um, very creative imagery, uh, symbolic imagery in, in this vision uh, to communicate to John uh, this prophecy of what's going to happen in the future, it would seem, uh, during, during this tribulation time. John says, I saw, behold, a white horse, uh, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown uh, was given unto him, and he went forth conquering 
uh, and, and to conquer. Uh, and so um, we see here probably a vision uh, of the Antichrist, uh, this uh, human being who is uh, supernaturally empowered by Satan uh, to exercise authority uh, on behalf of Satan during uh, a portion of the tribulation period. Uh, he's seen carrying a bow, that would be a weapon, uh, and going forth to conquer and to conquer. Uh, in a battle, Brother Ray, sometimes we, we think of a white flag being waved. What does that mean? What does that mean when a white flag is waved? Usually it means surrender, right? I, I give up, I, I choose peace rather than uh, to continue fighting. And so, you know, we do our best here to try to understand what the Lord is showing John. It would seem to be, especially as you continue to read and, and understand, begin to understand the context a little more, seem to be that um, the Antichrist is, is coming to offer a peace we believe that he'll probably negotiate a peace between uh, Israel and the Arab nations that surround them. That's, that's probably uh, one thing that's being pictured here. We couldn't say that for certain, but uh, that, that's perhaps suggested. The Antichrist will come on the scene. Uh, he will negotiate a peace, um, but ultimately he will be one who conquers uh, and, and who goes forth conquering. So uh, he being on a white horse uh, very well may be a picture of a very false peace. Uh, we know that ultimately he is, uh, he is not a, a maker of true peace, but very much an enemy uh, of God's people. So this first allusion here to the Antichrist, this uh, demonically empowered person uh, who opposes Christ and who rises up and assumes uh, power during the tribulation period. Um, so false peace. Uh, and then in verse 3, we see the second seal judgment is open. So uh, the seals perhaps that are on this book, John sees uh, the second one is opened. And these angelic beings reveal a little bit more truth regarding this prophetic vision of the future. Let me take a half a step back and say this. Everybody look up here for a second. This is hard, right? This is, this is not an easy uh, portion of scripture. We're going to take it slowly and try to understand it carefully. Uh, and, and we do our best. We have the Holy Spirit to help us and the benefit of those who've studied uh, and examined these things before us. But importantly, we have the Spirit of God to help us understand what it is that, that John is seeing and what the significance of it is. Uh, and so we'll just, we'll just continue to do that. We'll take it slowly and try to understand and explain as carefully as we, we possibly can. So uh, again, in verse three, uh, John sees a, a second seal uh, upon this book being opened. Uh, verse three, when he had opened the second seal, uh, he writes, I heard the second beast, this, this uh, one of the four, angelic beings say, come and see. Well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and see. He might have thought, not sure exactly what that first part means, but okay, I'll come and, uh, I'll come and see the second part. Verse 4, there went out another horse that was red. Uh, you think of the, you've, you've heard the phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, comes from this passage, of course. Uh, there's another uh, horse that he sees in a vision. Uh, the Bible says power was given to him that sat thereon to take 
peace from the earth. So uh, in my notes, I've labeled this second part of the prophecy, the second judgment, a failed peace, uh, a failed peace. So it uh, seems like the Antichrist gains power during the future tribulation by negotiating a peace, what looks like a genuine peace, almost certainly in the Middle East, uh, but then it ends up, as we've said already, being very much a failed peace or a war. Uh, that's the second F here this morning. There, was, uh, there went out another horse that was red, verse 4. Power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. Well, if you take peace away, that implies you, you replace it with war. Uh, and that they should kill one another. Uh, and there was given unto him a great sword. Uh, and so we see uh, one upon a red horse, peace being uh, taken away, um, and so forth. Now, um, make a note, turn there if you like, but in Matthew 24 and verse 6, uh, Matthew is dealing with the parallel time. Uh, in Matthew 24, verse 6, actually Jesus uh, seems to be teaching about the same time. Uh, there, you could just listen, Matthew 24, verse 6, Jesus says, Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, uh, see that ye be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, uh, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, uh, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Brother Ray, we understand that there's a temptation to think that he was writing of, of today, uh, and that you know, if there's an earthquake somewhere in the world, that means that we're, we're in the tribulation period today. No, there's been earthquakes. Uh, throughout history, uh, so we, we understand uh, the rapture, the catching away of believers has not yet occurred, uh, and so we do not believe that we're yet in the tribulation period, that's our best understanding of scripture, um, and so we're, we're not going to look at earthquake in Morocco and say, oh, that means we're in the tribulation, no, uh, but uh, things like that are coming in the tribulation period, so it's just good to keep in mind some of the things that we see here in Revelation and John's vision of the future tribulation. Jesus has also personally uh, taught about in Matthew 24. And it'd be good to kind of go and read through Matthew 24 when you have some time also. Uh, so the Antichrist uh, in the future will negotiate a peace. Uh, it's a false peace. Ultimately, he will... Uh, cause uh, many wars throughout the world, uh, and that will be accompanied by all different kinds of chaos. There'll be uh, a famine, that's your third F this morning, an economic difficulty, economic chaos. Uh, in, in the chapter, this is associated with the third seal uh, judgment being open, uh, beginning in verse 5 and continuing in verse 6. Uh, the third seal, famine is your third F in, in economic uh, chaos. Verse 5, when he opened the third seal, uh, uh, John writes, I heard the third beast. So the third of these four, four angelic creatures says, uh, come and see. Okay. Uh, and I beheld, uh, and lo, a black horse. Uh, so the Lord is using these different colored horses to communicate uh, some ideas here. There's been a white horse, a false piece. Uh, a red horse that seems to be associated with war, uh, and now a black horse. And he that sat upon him had a pair of balances um, in his hand. 
you, you can picture um, scales that were used to weigh out payment, right? So uh, the Old Fashioned Scales Act, they had like a plate on each side and uh, you would weigh out a payment uh, for a transaction. Uh, he, he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand uh, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, this is interesting, a measure of wheat for a penny uh, and three measures of barley for a penny. Uh, and then this interesting phrase, see thou hurt not the oil um, and the wine. So, yeah, you kind of have to step back and say, well, what exactly is being pictured here in, in all of this? Um, the measure of wheat, the idea here is probably the amount that you would need to make a loaf of bread. Uh, a measure of wheat would, would be considered to be the amount needed for a loaf of bread. Now, the penny, that the word penny that's used here, uh, the underlying word has the idea of the Roman denarius. That was a, a coin of the Roman Empire. And basically, that, that was uh, typically considered to be the, uh, a workman's wages for a day. A workman's wages for a day. Now, let me ask you this. Um, uh, let me say something and then ask you a question. Have we had food inflation over the past couple of years? We certainly have. The, the cost of food has skyrocketed. It started to come down a little bit, but it's still much higher than it was. Uh, so we've, we've experienced some of this and some of the difficulties uh, that go along with this. Um, there are other countries around the world that have inflation rates that are above 100% now for more than two years. Praise God, we're not there yet. Uh, but evidently, in the tribulation period, inflation is going to be so severe that a full day's wages will be required to purchase the wheat or the flour uh, to make one loaf of bread. How, how, what does a loaf of bread cost today? I guess it depends on on uh, what kind of bread you would buy, but a few dollars, right? That's where we are today, uh, two to four dollars probably. Uh, that's, uh, thankfully, that, that's not a day's wages, but uh, in the coming tribulation period, part of the difficulty that people will experience is um, extreme inflation, uh, such that uh, ba our basic needs will be extremely difficult uh, to afford. This seems to be the idea here. This is part of the judgment, part of the trial that people will experience that the Lord is, is, is going to use to kind of shake people awake. Uh, if, if you're experiencing wars uh, around the world uh, in the face of what you thought was going to be a peace, and suddenly everyone everywhere is at war, uh, and on top of that, uh, you can't even hardly afford to buy food to eat. Well, this is a very significant trial now, uh, one that people might begin to wonder, hey, uh, maybe I need to cry out to God because this, this is very serious. This is no joke. This, uh, no doubt, is the Lord's idea. Then you have a phrase here that's difficult. Um, it's all challenging, of course, uh, when we get to this part of Revelation. Uh, but you have a phrase here... Um, the, the creature says, see, see thou hurt not the oil um, and the wine. And this is understood differently. Uh, sometimes it's understood as a reference to petroleum, which uh, is really the basis for the economy of much of, of the Middle East. And uh, that, that's a possibility. 
Um, and and that's, that's something that you'll hear reference to quite a bit. There's, a, there's an allusion here to um, oil as being a part of the economic system of the world today, a very significant um, basis for the economic system uh, of the Middle East and very important, obviously, to our own economy as well. Um, I would share this, also, this though, in, in, in context of this verse. Um, the word that underlies oil here, Brother Ray, um, it literally refers to olive oil. Uh, it literally refers to olive oil. There's another Greek word that um, has been used in history, not in the Bible, but in history and secular writings, uh, all the way back to the 5th or 6th century BC that refers literally to uh, petroleum. Uh, and so that's not the word the Lord used here. The word he used literally refers to olive oil. Um, and maybe that's exactly what he means because he's using it in the context of oil, oil and wine. Um, so that's, that's an observation that uh, we can make to help us understand kind of what's going on here. Uh, the, the underlying word that's used um, is always used in the context of olive oil throughout the New Testament. It's used uh, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the Samaritan uses olive oil to tend to the wounds uh, of the injured man. Zach, you wouldn't want um, motor oil or gasoline put into a wound, but olive oil actually has uh, medicinal qualities and, and curative heal healing power. Uh, and so this is, this is how this, this word is used uh, throughout Scripture. And so um, you're left to wonder kind of what, what exactly uh, is, is the implication here. Uh, one man says this. So here's a thought for your consideration. Oil and wine, olive oil and, and, and wine are literally what's in view here, uh, are often considered luxury items. They, they were often considered luxury items in Bible times. Uh, may represent wealth and comfort of the affluent, the rich. Uh, according to this interpretation, even during times of great tribulation and scarcity, the wealthy may still retain their luxuries. Thus, the verse could be pointing to a great economic imbalance that becomes exacerbated during the tribulation time, uh, a time when basic necessities like wheat and barley become scarce and expensive, but luxuries like oil and wine remain available but only to those who can afford them. And so uh, th this might well be the idea. Um, some people will not be able to afford the most basic things while others uh, fight uh, not just for necessities but for luxuries and uh, possibly to the exclusion of, of seeing the needs of others met. And so this idea of a very difficult economy for most people uh, but one that's especially difficult for common people like us uh, might be in, in view here, given the literal meaning of, of the words here. If, if there's some other allusion to petroleum and, and the economy of the, of the world, uh, and specifically the oil uh, that is uh, the basis for the Middle Eastern economy, that's, I think, Zach, that, that remains somewhat of a possibility. Um, but uh, I think we, we understand it as best we can as pointing perhaps to a, a great imbalance or disequity in the economy of the tribulation period. Um, here's what I know for sure. Once we get through the tribulation and we get into the millennial reign of Christ, 
there is a perfect and just economy uh, throughout the world. Christ will implement that system. He will rule and reign over it. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing that we look ahead to as, as a great part of our hope. Let's go a little bit further here. Uh, the fourth seal judgment in verses 7 and 8 uh, there's, there's an awful lot of death in view here, and, and hell comes into view as well. Uh, for, for purposes of an F, I'll give you funerals here. That's a little bit of a reach, but uh, verse 7 says this, and, and when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse. Uh, if you're pale, if, if uh, someone walks up to you and you look very pale, what do they say to you? Are you Okay. Right? If, if you look very pale to someone, uh, I'm naturally very pale unless I'm red, but uh, are you okay? So, so paleness here uh, probably is, uh, it fits the context where death and hell show up in the same verse. I, I looked and behold a pale horse and uh, his name that sat on him was death um, and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, uh, and with the beasts of the earth. Now, th those, are, those, are, those are easier verses to understand, uh, but Brother Ray, they, they're probably harder verses for us to accept. Um, who, who is it who is ultimately authoring this program of the tribulation? Zach, who, whose program is this? Say again? It's the Lord's, right? This is his tribulation program to reach and save Jewish people and others, Gentiles as well. Uh, this is his program. Uh, he knows what it will take uh, to wake people up and to cause them to turn uh, to Christ. Uh, they, they've had scripture, they've had churches, they've had uh, all the biblical preaching that's available through mass media and now the internet for many years. Uh, and that didn't, that didn't wake them up. And so the Lord is Lord is using all of these terrible things uh, to cause people to, to turn to Christ. This is a tough one. This is, this is not hard to understand, but, but maybe hard to accept. Uh, death and hell. So uh, the death of the fourth part of the earth um, and hell. The underlying word is Hades. Uh, this would be the place that uh, the lost go to. Uh, prior to the great white throne judgment where they are judged for their sin uh, and then cast in the lake of fire. So the word underlying hell is, is that place, Hades, uh, in the Greek. Um, Zach, according to verse 8, how much of the world population is killed um, uh, at this point in the tribulation period? He says power was given unto them over, what does it say? Uh, in verse 8, uh, the fourth part of the earth, that's one-fourth of the world population. Uh, do you know how many people are living today? Do you know how many people are living today? It's, it's a big number, and it's been growing very rapidly. Today, there's, it, there's somewhere around 8 billion people living today. That, that's a lot of people. Did you know the population of the U.S. has doubled since World War II? That's a big increase in a relatively short period of time. Uh, the world population um, is, is big. Obviously, it's, it's growing very rapidly. 
if, if this were to happen today, one-fourth of eight billion people will, will die at this point. How many people is that? How many, how, how many people is a fourth of eight, one-quarter of eight? Two. A quarter of eight is two. So this, if, if this were to happen today, we're talking about two billion uh, people. Um, our hearts break over 2,000 people dying in the earthquake in Morocco. That, that breaks my heart. That's, that's, it's almost unthinkable. Uh, but 2 billion people is like, a, I'm sorry, 2 million, try again, 2,000 people is a rounding error when you're talking about 2 billion people. Uh, this is something like 40 times the number of people who were killed in World War II. Um, in World War II, something like two or three percent of the world population was killed in the war, including the six million or so Jewish people uh, who were killed. Uh, it was two or three percent of the population, and that was catastrophic. Uh, here we're talking about uh, a quarter, one in every four people in the world dying. Zach, the fact that these go to hell, death and hell, uh, they're, they're tightly connected by that word and implies that these people are what? They're lost people. They're lost people. Um, is it the case that the Lord knows that, that these, these will be killed because the um, Lord knows that they'll never be saved? Well, he does know. We're not Calvinists, but uh, perhaps the Lord allows these to die here because he knows that these will never be saved. He knows the choice uh, that they will make. And um, therefore, he, he takes them all at once or all within a very short period of time uh, for the shock value, if you will, to get the attention of those uh, who might still be saved. I think this is, this is a possibility. This is a massive judgment, but it's a judgment with purpose. Again, the Lord's program, his goal for the tribulation period is ultimately not only to judge, but to, to cause people to open their eyes and see that he is, uh, and that Christ is the Messiah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is uh, the only way. Does the Lord know what it takes to cause someone to come to Christ? Does he know? Does he know? He does know. He knows what it takes in our lives. He knows what it takes um, in the life of anyone at any point in history, any, anywhere in the world. Um, if, if the Lord knows that this type of judgment, future judgment during this seven-year period is, is what it takes to finally open the eyes of the nation of Israel uh, and other people around the world, uh, are we okay with that? Are we okay with it? Because some people look at these verses and they say, a loving God would never do that. He would, he would never take a quarter of the world's population all at once. He, uh, he would never do these things. He would never allow inflation. Uh, he would never allow uh, wars like, like our pictured here. He would never allow someone like the Antichrist uh, to take control of the world and, uh, and ultimately uh, death uh, to take a, a quarter of the world's population. Well, <laughs> uh, evidently he will. And it is because this is his final, last straw effort to bring Jewish people primarily, but Gentiles also, uh, to Christ before Brother Ray, the great white throne judgment uh, and, and his return. Uh, and so he, you're going to have to decide that all of this is, in fact, consistent with God's love. 
He loves people enough to do whatever it takes uh, to cause some to see Christ. Um, you know what? He, he, he worked in my life to cause me to see Christ. Uh, he worked in your life to cause you to see Christ. Maybe it took a trial for you to get there. Uh, he, he knows it may take a trial of this nature, of this magnitude, uh, to see uh, many come to Christ. And so, you know, we have, we have to keep that in mind. We have to interpret and understand uh, these things through the lens of what we know about God. He is loving. He is perfectly loving. None of this is inconsistent uh, with his love. Uh, verse 9 uh, alludes to the death of others, uh, Brother Ray, but evidently not the lost now. So uh, many of the lost in the world will die during the tribulation, lost, not, not having chosen Christ, but others will die during the tribulation period that who, who came to Christ as a result of, of the trials of, of the tribulation. Um, many of them will die during the tribulation. So they enter into the tribulation lost, not knowing Christ. Lord shakes them awake with all these trials. They get saved, uh, but then they die. And so it's those who seem to be pictured here um, in, in verse 9, this would be the fifth seal judgment. This is the, the tribulation saints uh, who've been slain. If you want to F, uh, the fatality of, of tribulation saints, the fatality of the tribulation saints. Many of them will die during the tribulation. Later on, we'll see that not all of them will die before Christ returns, but, but here we see uh, those that died during the tribulation. Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, uh, evidently this is the altar in the throne room of heaven, the souls of them that were slain uh, for the word of God. So they're, they're martyred during the tribulation uh, and for the testimony which they held. Uh, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, uh, dost thou not judge and avenge our, avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And so uh, John is permitted to see this image of people who got saved during the still future tribulation, still future to us. They got saved, but they died. They were martyred during the tribulation period before uh, Christ returns. Um, and, and here they are. He sees them. Um, Revelation 20 and verse 4 says, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. So there's multiple references to, to these uh, individuals in, in the book of John. Zach, they, they got saved after experiencing some of this great difficulty, uh, and then they were martyred. They got killed. They got killed. Uh, there would be a temptation to think, oh, they, they would be very upset about that, you know. What they did all that they could do. They, they came to Christ. They, they accepted the Lord's plan, and they weren't angry at him. They, they came to him. Uh, and then how did the Lord thank them? Well, he killed them. He allowed them to be martyred. There would be a temptation to think that, you know, that's, that's how they would be thinking and feeling after coming to Christ and then getting martyred during the tribulation period. But... Um, how do you actually see them in verse 10? They cry with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, uh, dost thou not judge? Lord, we're looking to you uh, to judge those that killed us. But how do they characterize Lord? What do they call him, Zach? They say, how long, O Lord, holy and true. 
their, their heart is that he's still holy. Uh, he's, he's not done anything that's not holy, and he's not done anything that's inconsistent with his truth. Uh, they recognize that all that he has done uh, has, you know, has been, in a sense, for, for their purpose, for them. Uh, he, he shook them awake spiritually, caused them to come to Christ. Sure, he allowed them to die, but he must have a purpose for that too. And, and yes, they're calling upon the Lord to avenge their death, but they still view him as holy and true. I will stop there because we, we need to stop there, but I want to ask you a question before we, before we close. Um, when you're in the midst of a great difficulty, when you're in the midst of a great trial, uh, is there sometimes a temptation to be angry about that? Well, sometimes there is a temptation at least uh, to be a little twinge of a temptation maybe uh, or, or more to be angry about that. Does God have his purposes for our trials? We know he does. James 5, he's growing us through trials. Uh, is he still holy and true no matter what kind of trial we are going through? Yes, he is. Uh, that's true whether we accept it or not. Lord, help us to bear this in mind. You allow a great trial into our lives today, this side of the tribulation period, uh, you have a good purpose for that. Not, that none of that compromises uh, your holiness or your truth. You're holy and true no matter what. Help me not to be angry. Help me not to be upset. Help me to recognize that you work in trials. You accomplish your good purposes sometimes through trials that are really, really, really hard. Lord, help us to not be angry, but to hold fast to you. Um, we can. Uh, we can. Um, I'll just give you kind of an overview here of the final several verses and ask you uh, to take a read through these um, before next week. Uh, in verses 9 through 12, there's falling stars, an earthquake, and terror. That'd be your sixth seal and your sixth F, falling stars and a great earthquake. Um, people responding to that with fear uh, and hiding. Uh, but again, God's purpose is being accomplished. So that's the last bit of the chapter. Um, we've seen an earthquake this week, but Brother Ray, there's, there's an earthquake coming in the tribulation time that will literally shake people awake spiritually. Quite literally, it will shake them uh, awake spiritually. And so uh, these chapters are hard. They're, they're amongst some of the most challenging chapters of all of the Bible, but they're important. The Lord put them here for us, uh, for people this side of the tribulation to understand. And so uh, let's, let's do our best. Uh, I would encourage you to be reading through the next chapter or two, uh, praying for the Lord to help you understand. Uh, what you see throughout the tribulation is judgment and trials, trials that God is using to bring people to him. Bear that in mind. Uh, this side of the tribulation, he's doing a lesser version of that, using trials to wake people up and to bring them to him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you uh, today that you are a holy and true God. And uh, nothing that we see in the world today or in prophecy of things that are still future compromises uh, who you are. Lord, I pray this morning that we determine to not allow anything uh, that we see or anything that we feel to compromise uh, our view of you. You're a loving God. 
You don't do anything that is inconsistent uh, with your love. You're a holy God. Uh, you don't author uh, evil. Sure, you use trials uh, and difficulties, but that's because you know that is what's required to save people and to sanctify them, to cause them to grow. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much this morning that we can understand that. Lord, help us to guard our hearts. Help us to never be angry at you uh, when, when you allow a trial. Lord, you have your purposes. Father, I understand this morning when, when some trials come, they're, they're almost impossible to accept. Lord, help us in those times to just cry out to you for help. Lord, help us to see, to understand you really do have a purpose and it's a purpose that's consistent with who you are and what you're like. Lord, I thank you that when those trials come, we have the Holy Spirit who comforts us. Lord, thank you so much today that supernatural comfort is available in the face of trials that you are using. Lord, help us never lose sight of that. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'll work in the next hour. Uh, certainly as we begin uh, in Mark, Mark's gospel this morning, uh, it's a much easier portion of scripture. We thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that uh, we'll see uh, all of the encouraging things uh, in the first part of Mark's gospel this morning that you'd have us to see. Lord, help us to be greatly encouraged here this morning. You're a God who works sovereignly, and you accomplish your will. Lord, thank you. We love you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you very much for being here this morning. Um, the next hour, of course, is our, um, our um, morning worship service. Uh, young people will go down to the um, junior church. Uh, They'll be up here for the song time and then downstairs for the junior church. We'll dismiss them uh, as we did for Sunday school. Uh, Zach and Samantha will be, be uh, teaching uh, that program this morning. Keep them in prayer. It's new for them also. All right, see you back shortly.